Welcome to Star Wars Comics and Canon. The Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 71. So then guys, this week I am tackling the second volume of Dr. Afro Comics from the 2020 run, and it's called The Engine Job. Now if you haven't listened to the prior episode of that, I do recommend you go back and listen to it. It was episode 67 of Star Wars Comics and Canon, where I tackled the first full volume, and any of you guys who have been listening to the show for a little while will know that I'm doing the War of the Bounty Hunters stuff. Now, these first two volumes of 2020 Afro Comics take place before War of the Bounty Hunters, and actually the final issue in this batch, issue number 10, is actually the War of the Bounty Hunters prelude, which I already tackled on episode 60 of Star Wars Comics and Canon. So if you want to listen through a chronological order, it's going to be episode 67, then this episode 71, and then episode 60. And then if you want to follow on with the War of the Bounty Hunters things I've been doing, then there's also episode 64 and 68. Plus next week I'll be doing the next batch of War of the Bounty Hunters, I think. So that's a little bit of the background information, and if you haven't joined the show before, I will clarify that I'm going to talk about the main plot points of the story, go through like a bullet point sort of way, and I'm going to talk about the many connections to other Star Wars content. So this can either work as your entrance into the comics, if you don't have the time or the money or whatever to read them all, or it serves as a guide if you're reading along with me, or if you've already read the comics and you just want to refresh or see what things you may have missed. So with that in mind, let's get on to the information about the comic itself. So I said it was the 2020 run of Dr. Afra Comics, which is the second run of Dr. Afra, and this is going to be issues 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. Issue number 6 was released in November 2020, issue number 10 was released in May 2021, and the trade paperback collection was released in August 2021. The writer for this is Alyssa Wong, the inker is Victor Olazaba, the colour artist is Rachel Rosenberg, and now the pencilers. So for issue 6, it was Robert Gill and Ray Anthony Height. Then for issue 10, Ray Anthony Height just did that by himself. And then the penciler for issues 7, 8 and 9 was just Minkyu Jung. And to clarify timeline, this is set between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Uh, It's not long after Empire Strikes Back from what I can tell, but as I said a minute ago, it is before the War of the Bounty Hunters crossover event that I am tackling and stuff. And I have included all this information in the description, and to confirm, I have already tackled the first full run of Afro Comics, as well as her first appearances, which was in the 2015 run of Darth Vader Comics. If you want to start with the Darth Vader Comics, you start with episode 15, and if you want to start with the Afro Comics, that will be episode 34. So, with that all in mind, let's get on to the crawl of this comic. After narrowly escaping Darth Vader and doing a huge solid for the Rebellion, Dr. Aphra's cut all ties to her past and is trying to go back to what she does best, hunting down the most valuable treasures in the galaxy. But the rogue archaeologist is also exceedingly good at making enemies. Aphra's last misadventure to find the mythical rings of Val put her at odds with Ronan Taeg, the insanely powerful Sion of the Taeg dynasty. And the Taegs do not forgive, nor do they forget. So obviously, if you aren't aware of what that call was referring to, make sure you go check out the last episode of the Dr. Aphra run I did on Styles Comics and Canon, episode 67. But in brief, her and a team went to find these ancient artifacts, eventually found them, took them back to this guy, Ronan Taig, and then basically betrayed him because he was not a very nice person and caused an explosion, which seemingly killed him. 
So issue number six starts with Afra captured by Just Lucky and Karak. Now Karak is this almost praying mantis person. I couldn't find confirmation of their species online and they don't pop up very much. So I'll leave it at that. Just Lucky, he is a character who I think has been introduced in this 2020 run of Dr. Afra comics. Um, I'm starting to like him more and more as the series goes on, but he's only in each Afra comic for maybe like a sixth of the comics. So now that this is like the sixth issue, I feel like I've had like one full comic of the character. Um, he is fairly interesting. Uh, I'm, there's not really much to say about him in all honesty because he's only existed in these comics thus far. But he was much more involved with Afra in the first volume. And then in this one, he kind of runs parallel. And then anyone who's been listening to the War of the Bounty Hunters stuff I've been doing knows that he does eventually get entwined again. But anyway, moving on. It shows that Afra is being taken to Domina Taig, who's one of the very high ups in the Taig Corporation, a very powerful family. But before you get to see the results of that, it shows you before. So sometime before this, it showed that Domina Taig was informed of her nephew Ronan being killed, who's the guy mentioned in the crawl. So she puts out a 20,000 credit bounty on Afra. A gentleman named Syfak puts it out to be live and sends out two numerous bounty hunters. So Syfak is a person who's only appeared in comics thus far. He has actually appeared in quite a few of the Bounty Hunters comics, issues 1, 3, 12, and 15. And he's basically someone who sends out bounties to people. And on the screens that I mentioned, most of the characters are just one-offs or show up a little bit later in this comic that I'm not going to delve into. But one of the people on screen was Valance. And Valance is the main character for the Bounty Hunters run of comics. And any Legends fans will remember from the 70s and 80s Star Wars comics, Valance was actually first introduced in there in Legends, which is quite a fun thing. He's a cyborg. He's a cool character. Anyone who's listened to my episode on Target Vader or Han Solo Imperial Cadet, that's where he first appeared in the canon in Imperial Cadet and then in Target Vader. But if you want even more information about him and you've already listened to those episodes, then don't you worry, because I will be tackling the Bounty Hunters comics soon. I obviously mentioned there's the War of the Bounty Hunters comics, which is Afro, Vader, Star Wars, Bounty Hunters, and also the War of the Bounty Hunters comics. So as I'm doing with all of these comics, I'm trying to get them to the end of the run so they catch up with War of the Bounty Hunters. So then by the time War of the Bounty Hunters finishes, then I should be able to just kind of continue on without confusing anyone with timelines. But I haven't yet started on the main Bounty Hunters comics. I will be getting onto them eventually. So, you know, just make sure you subscribe. If you're listening on YouTube, subscribe there. If you're listening to Comics Emotions, subscribe there. Wherever you're listening, subscribe and you'll definitely know. And follow me on all the social media places at Genuine Chit Chat because you'll get photos of these comics that I tackle, um, both some of the panels and all the artwork, as in the cover art. Uh, and also, you'll know when new episodes come out. So, you know, everyone wins. I get gratified on social media or by subscribers and you get notified of the content. So moving on, it shows later on, but still before Afra is taken to Taig, Afra is ambushed at this space station. There's a big shootout between her and some other people, and then a big black Wookiee appears, and it turns out that Black Chrysanthemum is there from, you know, the prior run of Dr. Afra comics. He stands between the people shooting at Afra and is trying to work out whether or not to get Afra because there's a lot of money riding on it or not. And then the people who were shooting at Afra then try to shoot Black Chrysanthemum. He is angered by that and then goes after them. And in all of this commotion, Afra then manages to sort of weasel her way and squeeze out. Afra leaves on a speeder and is giving chase and things. She's doing quite well. And then the back of the speeder is shot by a sniper rifle, fired by Just Lucky. She manages to get off the speeder fairly unharmed and then she gets hit by a dart that makes her pass out, shot by Karak. We are now in the now times in air quotes and Afra is taken to Dominateg. 
Before formal introductions can be made, Afra grabs a neurotoxin dart from Carrick and jabs him with it. She then takes his blaster and asks Domina Tag what she wants Afra to steal because she wouldn't have just brought her here for no reason and if she wanted her dead, she'd already be dead. And the thing that Afra stabbed Carrick with, the neurotoxin, was basically what he got her with earlier on. Domina Tag tells everyone else in the room to leave so her and Afra are left alone. Afra's holding the blaster still and sits down at a desk in front of Domina Teg, starts to say about how you shouldn't really, you know, leave me here with you. I mean, I could do anything. I've got this blaster. And then Domina just touches something on her desk and then ray shields go around Afra, which takes out all the oxygen of the little bubble that she's in and she starts to choke. Now, a quick thing about ray shields. So they were actually first mentioned in A New Hope, which is one of the reasons why proton torpedoes had to be used against the Death Star, because the reactor itself was actually covered in ray shields, and proton torpedoes are one of the few things that can penetrate through ray shields. But they are probably most famous, and the way I specifically knew about them and recognized them was because of a scene in Revenge of the Sith. You've got Obi-Wan, Palpatine and Anakin running on the invisible hand above Coruscant right at the start of the movie and then the ray shields come up and Obi-Wan famously says ray shields I thought we were smarter than this and then R2 comes in squealing and the film continues I'm not going to read out the whole film for you because I probably could do that from memory um, but they're also ray shields are in the Clone Wars quite a lot and in essence they can stop many things but not normally proton torpedoes. And they've popped up in a few other places as well. There's a spire on Stygium Prime that actually has ray shields as a sort of defense to prevent people attacking it. And it's actually shown in the Son of Dathomir comics by Darth, well, with Darth Maul in them, um, which I have actually tackled on the show really early on. I think it was like the second episode I did uh, where I sort of tackled that, but also is in the first season of Star Wars Rebels, episode five, where Luminara and Dooley makes an appearance. And that's all I'm going to say about that episode because you guys would probably remember that one. But yeah, ray shields are in Star Wars quite Quite a lot but and they've stopped the majority of things but there are some things that can get through to them so back to afra and Tag. Tag, after you know a few moments of afra choking then stops the ratios and shows afra a path engine which would revolutionize hyperspace travel and would also probably end the war between the rebellion and the galactic empire which domino Tag doesn't want because it would cause financial ruin to the Tag corp because of how much money they make from supplying the empire with weapons and all kinds of other things now, any readers of the High Republic comics or books, or if you've heard the audio dramas, you will know the Nile are the main baddies in the High Republic era at the moment, and the Path Engine basically allows them to travel through hyperspace in a really different way to what most ships can travel in. It allows them to travel through hyperspace when they're sort of in orbit of a planet, in re- weird and wonderful places, they can dart around battlefields and stuff. It's a very unusual technology, and it definitely gives the Nile a big step up against a lot of the competition uh, when they're fighting in the High Republic. And the best kind of explanation to give in the Path Engine, I think it's mentioned in the Light of the Jedi book by Charles Saul, I think. In essence, imagine you're walking through a forest and all the hyperspace lanes, which is where every other ship travels when they go through hyperspace, they are basically gravel paths in a forest and everywhere else is like trees and things. So you're traveling along these sort of paths in essence and you can maneuver around the forest now what the nile path engine does is in essence you can make your own paths so if shortcutting across like cutting a corner off in essence for most people traveling through hyperspace it would be too much because you don't know what debris is there the lane hasn't been in air quotes carved out so it hasn't been checked to make sure there's not going to be any pieces of shrapnel or planets in the way or anything like that so the the Nile path engine basically just creates its own paths so that you can travel through hyperspace far quicker 
I may have butchered that analogy, but I think you guys get the gist. So that is basically what this whole arc is all about. That's why it's called the engine job, because it is about this Nile path engine, which the High Republic is about 250-ish years before this. So they mentioned it hasn't been seen for centuries. So one would guess about 200 years. So this comic ends with Domina Take saying she wants more information on this path engine to find out if it will actually work or not. So she asks Afra to go and find out in essence. And Afra says, can she take someone with her that isn't in Domina Take's pocket that also hasn't betrayed Afra in recent years? Teg makes a comment saying like, is there anyone available? And then it shows the final panels being Sana Staros. Now, Sana Staros, you guys, if you've been listening to this show for a while, you'll know who Sana Staros is. She's an incredible character, one of my favourites from the comics. She's primarily in the 2015 run of Star Wars comics. She's in quite a few arcs here and there. She's a smuggler. She was involved with Han Solo for a while. She even had a thing with Afra for a while. They had a past together. And she's a really interesting and cool character. I really like her. I'd love her to be in live action or show up in more things. But at the moment, she's only really been in the Afra comics and the Star Wars comics. I also want to flag as well the Tag Corp. I mentioned it in the previous episode of this Afro run I tackled, but you guys should remember the name Tag because Cassio Tag was a name of one of the Imperial officers at the start of A New Hope in the room on the Death Star when Darth Vader enters and Tarkin enters. He warns that the Death Star, you know, if they've got plans to it, that the rebels may be able to destroy it, there may be a weakness, etc, etc. And then Cassio Tag does also show up again in the 2015 Darth Vader comics. He serves as kind of an antagonist, which is where Doctor Afra actually first came to life, as it were, as where her first appearances were in those uh, those comics. So nice little connections here and there. And uh, with that all said, let's move on to the next comic, which is comic number seven. So it starts with Sana Staros noting that someone is in her flat or apartment, however you want to word it. She lunges at someone against the wall and it shows it is Afra. Afra says she's trying to find this artifact and believes that it came through Corellia and she wants some info from a local. So she wants an introduction to Lady Proxima. Now, Corellia, you guys should know that name. I think it's in Legends a fair amount, but in the canon, because obviously that's what I'm focusing on, it is in Solo, a Star Wars story. It is Han Solo and Kira's home planet, plus Wedge Antilles and the bounty hunter Dengar from there. There's quite a few other people from Corellia. It's a core world, and there's like three billion people on there. So it, it's kind of a little bit like Earth in some ways, you know, the biomes, etc. You know, it's got forests, but it also has industrial places and deserts, and etc. So imagine it almost like a smaller Earth, and because it's in the core system there's a lot of people and a lot of trade in and out of those things and a couple of fun facts about this just showing how similar it is to earth and i think this is intentional their days are 25 hours long and their years are 329 days long so it's not that different from here on earth also the millennium falcon was built on corellia and another fun little fact about it there's actually a couple of scenes on corellia that were actually shot in my hometown where i'm currently living in southampton so anyone who's listening is from the UK may know Southampton a little bit. Uh, it's right near the, the south of England, unsurprisingly. It's nearish to the Isle of Wight. And one of our claims to fame was the fact that the Titanic came by here before going off on its voyage and sinking, <laughs> which is, you know, depending how you look at it, depends on <laughs> what you want to be remembered for. Um, but I, I do like living in Southampton, but I did not know until doing this podcast, as in this episode, that they filmed some of Solo in Southampton. That's really cool. That's me makes me quite happy although i wish i could have seen it and while on corellia and i mentioned lady proxima she was obviously in the solo star wars story movie right near the start and she is a species called a grindelid she is 4.8 meters tall they're from the planet 
Persis 9. And one of the people who is pursuing Solo for the majority of the movie, a character called Moloch, he is actually the same species. He is actually a Grindelid as well, although he's a much smaller one. And they managed to, I looked online, it's a bit hand wavy, but in essence, he looks more like a humanoid because they can like split their tail to kind of replicate legs. They just wear like a lot of armor and a lot of clothing and things to try and hide their shape and trying to hide what they are. In addition, Grindelids are incredibly sensitive to light and that is shown in Solo, a Star Wars story as well because, you know, Han throws the, I think it's like a rock at like a window or a vent or something and some light shines through and hits Lady Proxima. So uh, yeah, the Grindelid, if anyone ever wants to know what species Lady Proxima is and what Moloch is, there you go. So at the request to meet Lady Proxima, Sana refuses Afra and throws her out of her apartment. While this is going on, it shows that Just Lucky's contract with the Takes has been terminated due to Ronan being dead. So Just Lucky heads for Canto Bite Casino, where his brother named Pac is gambling. It shows that he owes a lot of money to a crime syndicate leader called Wen Delphis, and Just Lucky says that he will get it sorted out because Pac has got a black eye. So just like he goes to this when Delphis person, the species isn't confirmed, but they're basically a female spider person, just a humanoid with lots of arms and lots of eyes that looks kind of spiderish. It's confirmed that Pac owes them a lot of money, so just like he asks which target in mind they have to repay the debt. Back to Afra and Sana. Sana leaves her flat in the morning and Afra has been sat outside all evening and has got things called sweet rolls, which just look like donuts. Hesitantly, Sana then agrees to take Afra to Proxima. So they go to Proxima and then as soon as they arrive, Proxima screams at Afra saying, what do you think you're doing showing your face here again? And it's confirmed that Afra does know Lady Proxima, but she needed someone to introduce her because Lady Proxima wouldn't have seen her if she knew she was coming. Afra gives Proxima a Leganese life fasting bracelet and Proxima accepts this and confirms that she saw this path engine. It's confirmed that the smuggler Remy sold it to a guy called Bill Derouillette. Now Remy is a Celestian. The most famous Celestian you guys will know about is Nine Nunb, which is Megan's least favourite character because she doesn't like how wet his mouth is. Uh, so if you guys obviously in Return of the Jedi, when Lando is flying the Millennium Falcon um, to the Death Star 2, his co-pilot is Nine Nunb. And Nine Nunb can't speak Galactic Basic, but lots of other Celestians can. And Nine Nub also, he first appeared, like chronologically speaking in the canon, to my knowledge, in the Princess Leia comics, which is a mini-series set just after A New Hope, which is going around the galaxy trying to find Alderanian refugees. And in doing that, she finds Nine Nub, who is Celestian, he's not a refugee of Alderaan, but he agrees to help her and stuff and then just sticks around with the rebellion. And if you want to hear more about that Princess Leia mini-series, I tackled it on episode 14 of Star Wars Comics and Canon. It's a fun one. It was released in like 2015, really early on in the canon, but it's still a fun read. So it shows this Remy character is being beaten by someone called Vakura of the Unbroken Clan. He says he's told her everything that she knows. He also mentions that Sana Staros was around, and Vakura then... I can't tell if she stabs him or just hits him really, really hard in the stomach, but either way, he collapses to the floor in a heap and she takes the data pad from him. Afra and Sana are watching from a distance and Afra throws this bracelet that starts to beep. It then blows up the unbroken clan and Afra manages to grab the data pad from Vakura. The clan recover from the attack somewhat. They get up and then start shooting at Afra and Sana Staros, who then run away. Afra throws some more bracelets behind her, which shows are bombs, and Sana warns Afra of the danger of Vakura, which, as I said, is the leader of the Unbroken Clan. So it's confirmed that these bracelets that Afra's throwing, they're just painted bombs. That's what she gave to Proxima. 
So Avra slices this data pad that she's stolen, finds a new location, mentions about battlefields, and then Afra and Sana manage to get to the Vault Cobra, which is Sana's ship, and fly away. So that's issue number seven done. Let's move on to issue number eight. So Afra and Sana are at a bar. They're speaking with an Ortolan bartender. Now, Ortolans are blue people, and I always describe people like this as almost like racist in the world of Star Wars. It's kind of like a blue elephant person. <laughs> so you guys will remember from Return of the Jedi, because a lot of Return of the Jedi references in this, um, there's a famous character called Max Rebo of the Max Rebo band, and in Jabba's palace, you get to see Max Rebo there, in essence. They're quite cool little creatures. Um, sometimes they have two arms and sometimes they have four. I think that's a canon inconsistency, but it's in the canon, so seemingly that's the case. And uh, yeah, they're just blue humanoids with sort of long trunks and yeah, <laughs> that, there's not much else to describe them as. But a lot of fans of Star Wars know who Max Rebo is, so that's basically someone they speak to. This bartender confirms that Remy seemed to get the junk from an old ship and he was bragging about it quite a lot. So Afra looks out the window and sees lots of old ships that have been there for centuries that are stuck in trees. And it confirms that those are actually Nile ships. So they're on a planet called Dolhar Hyde. It's in the Outer Rim and so far in the canon it has only shown up in one other place which is in the High Republic Adventures comics by Daniel Jose Older and it's issue number eight. I haven't tackled any of the High Republic comics on this show as of yet. Once we're done with, you know, the War of the Bounty Hunters and I've kind of caught up with Afra Vader and all this sort of other things, at least one episode a month will then be about the High Republic stuff. Um, but yeah, I'll get onto those at some point. So Afra and Sana decide to climb the trees to check out some of the ships. Now these trees are massive. They are colossal. They're really, really thick. They're really, really tall. And Afra notes that she is surprised that these trees have grown around the ships so quickly, because if a ship just crashes into the top of a tree, one would expect it takes more than a couple centuries for the tree to kind of absorb it in a way and grow far higher than it, but seemingly these trees grow quite fast. While Afra and Sana are climbing, they also mention the Nile's special hyperspace abilities, which I've kind of touched upon before. Afra's cord then snaps, she falls, and she kind of bounces off a couple of bushes and twigs and things before hitting the ground, which is actually in one of these spaceships. Sana then rappels down and joins Afra in the ship. Meanwhile, Just Lucky is at Canto Bite and is at the Fathia racetrack. Now, Fathias are those horse things that are actually seen in The Last Jedi. Now, interestingly enough, they were actually mentioned before The Last Jedi came out. They were mentioned in the Aftermath book, Empire's End, which is the third book in the trilogy by Chuck Wendig. And they were also mentioned in the Legends of Luke Skywalker book, which was part of the journey to The Last Jedi. And I think when Aftermath Empire's End came out, I'm pretty sure that was sort of the lead up to The Force Awakens or around that sort of time. So I think it was kind of a coincidence in some ways, although in the Aftermath books, they are written incorrectly as Faithiers, so F-A-I-T-H-I-E-R-S, whereas the standard or correct spelling, as it were, is actually F-A-T-H-I-E-R-S. But yeah, they're called Fathiers. Yeah, they're the things in Last Jedi that Rose and Finn go and see, and then they eventually let them out and stuff. They're kind of like cool alternate horses in a way. But yeah, just like he's at this Fathia track and he uses a sniper rifle to take out some rich dude who's quite mean and he mentions the one of the reasons why he's taking them out and also this rich dude's being really horrible to the girl he's brought with him. And so just like he shoots him and then walks away. On his way back to wherever he was going, he changes outfits and things and then gets stopped by a character called Ariel Yu. 
who is a lieutenant for the Sixth Kin, who is the clan that when Delphis is a part of, it's the clan that Just Lucky's brother, Pack, owes money to. And it is also the job that Just Lucky has taken out. Sniping that guy was to pay back the money that his brother owes to the Sixth Clan. So Ariel, you brags about giving Just Lucky's brother a black eye, and then they are both called in to speak with Wen Delphis together. So back to Aphra and Sana, they are talking and Aphra manages to turn the ship on and it looks quite different to the one that Beale Derouillette is selling, so Aphra is quite suspicious about it. Aphra says that he seems to only have a part of the Nile engine, which then wouldn't actually work. She thinks that he's got like a small piece of the puzzle they're going to try and connect up to loads of modern stuff and it just isn't going to work because there's nowhere near enough compatible technology connected to it. Before anything else can get said, there is an explosion and it shows that the Unbroken Clan have followed Aphra and Sana. They're firing with their ships at this tree, things are shaking and exploding and things, and the leader, Vakura, is yelling out to them. A bit of shrapnel hits Sana in the side, and then Vakura says that they'll show them mercy if Afra and Sanos come quickly. But when you see that bit of dialogue come out, it shows what's happened back at the bar where that Autolum was, and it shows that all the people in the bar have been killed. Afra starts yelling out to Vakura, trying to stall and things, and while that's happening, they prep a grappling hook, dive back, and then Vakura sees this, shoots one final blast into the tree, a massive explosion happens, the hook that Afra and Sana threw misses, and then they start to fall in this kind of hollowed out tree trunk, and Vakura notes that no one could have survived that, and then heads for Midar, which is where this Nile path engine is. So that's where comic 8 ends, it's on a nice little cliffhanger, but you know, they're not really going to kill Dr. Afra in the 8th issue of her own series in the second run. That would be very, very cruel. So, starting with issue number 9, unsurprisingly, Afra and Sana are okay. They fell quite far in the tree, but the grappling hook they threw out that missed did wrap itself around a tree branch. Afra uses some back to spray on Sana's wound, and then they slowly get back to the bar and then see all the people that have been killed. So, they head to Midar. Meanwhile, Domina Teg is told by a representative of the Empire that if this path engine works for the Empire, then they will reassess their relationship with the Teg Corp because they may not need them anymore. Back to Just Lucky, he is in a bar with Ario Yu fighting off a couple of thugs. More so Ariel is doing that and Just Lucky is chatting to a friend of his who's a Twi'lek bartender. Just like he's unsure why the two of them have been put together because Ariel is no diplomat and then this Twi'lek bartender asks if Just Lucky and Ariel are getting back together and Just Lucky says never again and the Twi'lek says oh you said that the last time so obviously they have a little bit of history again and I like that the Afro comics do get into the sort of relationships and things in Star Wars a little bit more because I find that there's a couple of books recently like The Rising Storm the High Republic book that gets into sex a little bit and I'll be talking about that in my book review that I'll be releasing in a while I'm doing the Into the Dark book review next and then I'll be doing that but I do like it when they talk about those things in, you know, a reasonable and respectful way because it is something that's very big in people's lives, especially in Star Wars, but they just never really get spoken about because obviously the Jedi aren't really meant to do it. And because all the movies and a lot of the content is aimed at a slightly younger audience, you can't get into the intricacies and complications about being in relationships and especially things like sex. So when you get these little flashes, little moments of it, I do quite enjoy it. It makes me appreciate the characters a bit more makes them seem more human you know when you do meet up with an old friend there are those all sort of offhand comments about relationships and stuff or at least i know i get them quite a lot about some of my previous relationships but uh yeah i just thought i'd say that because i quite enjoyed that 
So just like in Ariel, then go after one of the thugs that managed to run away, and his name is Koz. He owes the sixth kin quite a lot of money, but then he gets surrounded by just like in Ariel and says that the sixth kin's days are numbered. Then, in this alleyway they're in, loads and loads of thugs then kind of come out the darkness and surround just Lucky and Ario. Meanwhile, Afra and Sana are staking out the centre in which this Nile Path engine is going to be showcased at. They notice that a couple of interns are getting calf, so they go in there, knock out the interns, steal their uniforms, grab the calf, and go and try and take it into one of the people inside. Now, calf, unsurprisingly, is just coffee in Star Wars. I know Java Juice is mentioned as well, but calf is not that cleverly named after caffeine, but you know what they're talking about, so I do quite like that sort of on-the-nose reference to that. So as Afra and Sana enter this centre, there's an engineer that is warning the guy, this Bayol de Ruyette, that the path engine isn't ready and it won't work. Bayol isn't really happy with that and is kind of yelling and getting annoyed at this engineer. And then Afra gives Bayol some calf. And in doing so, she sneakily grabs his keycard thing. After a bit more back and forth, Afra then asks one of the engineers if she can look at the engine. She's pretending that she's an intern who's like really excited and says, oh my god, you know, my mum would really love it if I got to see this. She'd be so proud of me. And then when the engineer's like, yeah, sure, do whatever you want. And then people kind of leave. Sana's like, your mum? Really? And Afra's like, my mum's dead, Sana. You know, keep up. Which is something I just thought was quite funny as well. So Afra takes a further look into the path engine and she says it just looks like it's an elaborate guess and it looks hideous. So Afra and Sana then sneak into Bale's office, who is the guy who runs all this sort of stuff, and then sees the blueprints. And they note that the ship will actually blow up if all of this doesn't go right. And Afra notes upon looking at the blueprints and things that none of it would actually work. In fact, it would actually likely blow up the engine and probably the whole center that they're in if the engine gets turned on. They also see that this guy in Bayo has bought himself a one-way ticket to Moncala, obviously showing that it, he's thinking if things go wrong, he's just going to try and disappear. And then it's also shown that there's a network of people selling rare artifacts and things, and quite a lot of them are selling High Republic stuff, which is really interesting. And I have a suspicion that once War of the Bounty Hunters is finished, then the Dr. Afro comics, they're going to go back to doing what she does best, you know, about artifacts and stuff. But I'm really hoping she delves into a lot of this High Republic stuff. And because there's so much more High Republic content out now, by the end of this year, so I think November will be the first issue of Afro that's outside of War of the Bounty Hunters. So November, December time, I have a suspicion that these little breadcrumbs that are being thrown out, you know, that there's a network of people trading High Republic artifacts. Afra's going to get a hold of a lot of these things that will be stuff that we've either seen or are going to see in the High Republic content, which if that is the case, I am very, very excited because I love that sort of stuff. So while Afra and Sana are looking through this guy's computer, Bail catches them. They confirm that they're actually Imperial investigators and says that if he doesn't help them, then they'll report him to Palpatine. But if he does help, then, you know, they could potentially look the other way for all of the things he's done, including trying to start up an engine that's going to explode and buying himself a ticket to Bail to Moncala. Before he can give a response, in the main hall, there's an explosion. And it shows that Vakora of the Unbroken Clan enters. She kills the main engineer and then walks up to another one and tells them to start this engine up and show it to her. And she said that she's going to kill one every five minutes until the engine works. This Bale guy then walks up to her and then she holds a blaster up to him. And that is where this comic ends. 
So this leads us to our final comic of this arc, guys. This is issue number 10. Now, I want to clarify once again that this is actually part of the War of the Bounty Hunters prelude. And I did say when I did episode 60 of Star Wars Comics and Canon that this comic kind of acts as finishing off this story somewhat while also diverting to the War of the Bounty Hunters stuff. So I am going to go through this comic again. I'm just going to use the same notes that I use for episode 60. And there aren't really any additional connections or anything like that so i'm going to kind of breeze through it somewhat and then obviously when i finish that i'll talk to you guys of what's coming up on star wars comics and canon and i can tell you guys about a guest i recorded with that i'm very excited about i recorded with them the other day so um yeah with that in mind let's get on to the final issue number 10 so issue 10 starts with the tech expo being open and someone is said to have had the nile hyperdrive technology which obviously we've already gone through so the people that have entered there are actually taken hostage and this Vakura person of the Unbroken Clan is still threatening that Bayo guy and is killing his employees. However, the engine is clearly becoming unstable while Afra and Sana watch. Afra is talking about just bailing and Sana manages to convince her to try and help. So Afra asks Sana to find an exit while Afra tries to sort this mess out. So Afra approaches Vakura, says that she can help and whatnot, and then Vakura comments that she's going to kill her anyway, and then just shoots another person. On Sana's way out, she manages to find some hostages, manages to help them escape, and then tells some stormtroopers who are outside to what's going on inside, and the stormtroopers all head in via the way that Sana came out. Meanwhile, with Just Lucky and Ariel, they manage to kill the thugs they get surrounded by, and it turns out they were sent into a trap. And the trap was that Just Lucky and Ariel were going to be killed, and it was going to be used to send the sixth kin a message. Meanwhile, Afra is, in air quotes, fixing the engine, basically just stalling. The Imperials then enter the expo and start firing. A big shootout happens, and Afra manages to take out a green crystal thing out of the path engine before getting out of the way. A stray bolt from the shootout hits the engine and the engine explodes and Afra manages to hide behind a table and Sana manages to go and get her and everything around them is on fire. Afra had managed to disarm the engine so it's not going to explode in a cataclysmic way and like kill everyone within an unknown radius. Instead, it obviously just caused quite a bit of damage. So Afra and Sana are then running away and Vakura chases them. Sana shoots behind them and manages to hit Vakura in the face, getting her in the eye. Sana and Afra manage to escape and speak with Domina Taig. She's angry that the engine has gone and is going to kill Sana, but then Afra throws that crystal thing I mentioned at Domina. So Taig stops trying to kill Sana. It was basically just those ray shields thing that take out the oxygen again that was surrounding Sana. She stops that, so Sana's just on the floor choking. And Domina then offers Afra and Sana a new job, instead of being killed by her, to try and find Cousin Elgin, who went missing after having this massive opportunity. So they said, you know, go find this opportunity. And also that there are moles in Taig Corporation, which she thinks are competitors, so has to be kept on the down low. It's confirmed that Afra managed to copy the data from that crystal that she gave to Domina and notes that at some point Domina will probably get the help of Afra again to try and decode some of the data on the crystal and obviously at which point Afra will have already done that. And then the final panels of this sort of big arc and this comic show that Just Lucky and Ariel are told to go kill a traitor who has been the one betraying the sixth kin and this traitor appears to be at the same place as Afra and San are heading. And then the little preview thing shows Dirge. So that's basically the shortened version of that. If you want a little bit more information, you know, check out episode 60. And then that will kind of set you on the right track for all the next stuff that's going on with Afra. So obviously episode 60 is the War of the Bounty Hunter preludes. And I go through, you know, the Bounty Hunters, Star Wars, Darth Vader, 
War of the Bounty Hunters and this Dr. Afra prelude uh, that you've just heard about. Then episode 64, I do the first full chapter, which once again, all of those comics are involved. And then I've also done for episode 68, the second chapter. So with the War of the Bounty Hunters in brief, there's the main series of War of the Bounty Hunters, which is a mini series. There's six issues. Well, there's five main ones and then the prelude alpha. And then intertwined with all of those are going to be issues of the main ongoing runs within the Star Wars realm, which I've already just listed. Plus there's normally uh, like a bonus issue. There's been one about Jabba the Heart. Um, there's going to be an IG-88 one. There's Boosh, uh, who is the person that Leia dressed up and pretended to be when she went into Jabba's palace in Return of the Jedi and was speaking with that voice decoder thing. So if you want the further stories of Aphra, as well as all the other stuff that's entangled, check out episodes 60, 64, and 68 of War of the Bounty Hunters. And if you're listening to this like a week or so after it's been released, then episode 72 should be out. And I believe I'm going to be doing the War of the Bounty Hunters volume 3 for that as well. Um, I am going to be recording a book review soon, but I think I want to get the War of the Bounty Hunters one done because like chapter four is almost out now. So I want to get um, chapter three done for that. And then probably the week after that, I will then have the book review for Into the Dark released. And then after that, I'll get into the standard swing of things again. You know, I'll do the main run of Star Wars, and that'll be the 2020 run. I'll do the final arc of the 2017 Darth Vader series by Charles Saul, which is Fortress Vader. I think it's like eight issues. It's going to be quite a chunky one. Uh, and then after that, I'll figure out what I'm really doing, because now that I've caught up with Afra, I've now got a gap, so I will probably fill that gap with Bounty Hunters. Um, the main run of Star Wars stuff is still going on. Um, the Darth Vader comics, when the 2017 ones are wrapped up. I'll then be going on to the 2020 run. Um, I think there's two arcs of that before that connects with War of the Bounty Hunters as well. I think the Bounty Hunters run, which I mentioned a moment ago about doing, I think there's three arcs of those before it goes to the War of the Bounty Hunters. So lots of stuff to be busy with. And then once I've kind of caught up with myself with the main run of Star Wars, Darth Vader, Bounty Hunters, and obviously as I've just done so with Aphra, um, I can then focus on the High Republic comics and the Poe Dameron comics. So there's the Poe Dameron ongoing series, which I think was like 30 to 40 issues. That was by Charles Saul. I have not read any of those. Um, so I've, I've been saving them to do this podcast with. Uh, and then also I do want to like, once we finish War of the Bounty Hunters, then the kind of vague goal I'm going to have is there'll be one ongoing series, which will be the Poe Dameron one. There'll be the ongoing High Republic series. There'll be the ongoing runs of, you know, the ones that I've tackled for War of the Bounty Hunters. They're all going to have their own arcs going on. And I'll probably like kind of do one ongoing series per month. So there'll be like a Darth Vader one when that finishes. And then the next one probably be the Afro arc when that finishes. Those sorts of things. But because of War of the Bounty Hunters is going to finish in October. I presume it won't be until probably sort of January, February until I then start tackling the rest of the ongoing series because arcs in these sort of runs are normally between three and six issues. It kind of depends on the run itself. And generally, I like to try and do it together in the same way the trade paperback is because I know a lot of you guys don't buy the issues when they first come out. Some of you guys use a hoopla and that normally has trade paperbacks. Some of you just buy the trade paperbacks. Uh, and it's just nice to kind of have that collection going instead of doing you know a five issue arc and then doing a one shot and then doing another five issue arc it's kind of easier to kind of clump them together way the way they do the trade paperbacks but that is generally the sort of idea of what i'm going to be doing going forward and you know also as the poe dameron one is only 30 to 40 issues i think there's about eight arcs in that as well so that will do me for a while uh, with the high republic 
they've just finished the second arc of that. So by the time War of the Bounty Hunters is finished, that'll probably be the third arc being done with that. But with the High Republic, there's the High Republic comics as well as the High Republic Adventures comics. Uh, and we are also approaching Halloween and I've got the plan to do... Kevin Scott has released this coming Halloween 2021. He'll be the third batch of them. But he's done five or six issues which are of Vader's Castle. The new one coming out is going to be Ghosts of Vader's Castle. I think the original one is Tales of Vader's Castle and the second one is Return to Vader's Castle. I'm pretty sure, just off the top of my head, that's what they're called. And they're like anthology horror comics, which are quite exciting to do. Obviously, me dictating them to this with you guys, it will take some of the horror element out of it, but that will be more so something that I want to kind of do some of the connections for because Kevin Scott, once again, like Charles Saul and a lot of these other authors are really good at sort of connecting the dots i think him and charles will generally like read all the styles comics so when they want to do connections to stuff it's a lot easier because they can kind of just pull things out of their head rather than being someone who maybe doesn't read all the styles comics and just does connections from either by accident or by you know having to contact the story group and specifically asking them you know what cool planet can i go to that's got water on it and then they go oh moncala and they, you know, that sort of thing i don't know if how m- many comics the other styles authors read this is me generally just giving my thoughts on the matter uh, but let me know you guys if you have any opinions on me doing the high republic or the high republic adventures first or what depending on how far i get i presume by about this time next year um, there's oh my god there's also thinking about it with High Republic there's also three there's going to be three High Republic miniseries out so there's going to be Monsters um, of Temple Peak which is about Ty Yorick which is a character in The Rising Storm then there's also going to be the Crimson Dawn oh god there's even more there's going to be The Reign of Crimson Dawn which is a miniseries that's going to be about Kira I don't know if it's going to be set after or before War of the Bounty Hunters but it's going to be about her with Crimson Dawn then there's also there's the Marquion Row miniseries that's coming out in January, and that's going to be about the main antagonist and the leader of the Nile, some backstory on him and stuff. There's another one that I'm trying to remember. I've got them pre-ordered and things. There's going to be a Life Day miniseries by Kevin Scott. Then there's also going to be another High Republic. There's loads of miniseries coming out. So, you know, I managed to catch up and basically do all the miniseries. So I presume that within the next year or so, after War of the Bounty Hunters is done, the general plan will probably be a mini series a month the two ongoing series one will be high republic and one will be whatever one of the main ones are and then the fourth one will probably be you know poe dameron until i finish those off uh, and then we'll kind of see where we are then so that's a general plan going forward and what else can we do then so um obviously guys please support me on patreon patreon.com slash genuine chit chat for as little as one pound a month uh, you get access to when i do book reviews and certain other episodes that i managed to get finished early i put them on that feed if they're a few days early and stuff so you occasionally will get early access to stuff on that feed specifically to a star wars things uh, me and megan also do movie reviews and series reviews we go out and watch the mcu movies and a lot of the dc movies and those sort of things i've just put up the afterthoughts on our shang chi review it's 15 minutes it's long completely spoiler free and we just give our thoughts on that um and also if you're listening to this and you haven't checked out shang chi it's really cool but also there are post-credit scenes and the first one especially is incredible so i like to always tell people that first the post-credit scenes are good and worth watching because i always get really bummed if i like wait in the cinema for like 10 15 minutes all the way to the end of like a post-credit scene and then it's just a gag one like the one at the end of ant-man and the wasp was offensively gaggy but regardless of that um so you can support the show it's as little as one pound a month um and it means the absolute world to me you get bonus content if you want to give that um two pound a month then you also get access to i put up photos of star wars comics that i do for this show 
show. I normally post them on social media on Saturdays or Sundays. I put them on Patreon normally Thursdays or Fridays, so you get that a little bit early. You also get access to future guest lists, so you know all the people I'm going to be talking to, as well as a lot of the people I'm potentially going to be talking to, um, who've either said yes or I'm in talks with, that sort of thing. Um, you just get early access to lots of cool things and supports the show. If you don't want to support the show financially, that's 100% okay, because I appreciate not everyone is in the financial position to be able to do so, but you can share my show on social media, either Comics in Motion or Genuine Chit Chat. You can rate and review on Apple Podcasts, on Podmatch, on loads of other places. You can tell your friends about the show, and it just spread via, via word of mouth. It means the absolute world to me that anyone is listening to the show, especially right near the end, and you know I do appreciate that a huge amount, but if you want to do a little extra mile, you want to push it some more, yeah, either support the show financially or you can just do it in a review sense or tell people about it and that leads me to the last little bit of news which is if anyone is listening and hasn't heard of the youtube channel star wars explained well shame on you because it's incredible myself and megan managed to sit down for about an hour to talk to alex and molly damon of star wars explained now if you're not familiar star wars explained release a video basically every day about a wide variety of star wars stuff truly inspired me getting back into the canon this is before i started collecting the comics again uh, this was when around the time the force awakens came out and my love for star wars got revitalized and i got into a couple of youtube shows and some of them i've kind of dipped out of i still like star wars timeline but i've got into that since podcasting but star wars explained it used to be called star wars minute it's been going for like seven or eight years now they have over six hundred and fifty thousand subscribers on youtube they have a thriving patreon which i am a part of and alex and molly are just two of the nicest people about especially people involved with star wars because there's a lot of toxic fandom around and they don't deal with any of that nonsense so i'm very very excited uh, i'm going to be releasing that on genuine chit chat on sunday um i don't th- I can't decide if I'm going to put it on this feed as well. I might just put it up there as a bonus or something, um, just so any of you guys. But really, I'd say please go and listen to Genuine Chit Chat. I've had quite a few other Star Wars authors on, and I've also had confirmed that a Star Wars individual who's involved with some of the comics, he's agreed to come on the show as well. So once I've got that recorded, I'll let you guys know. So lots of exciting things. I'm not going to be releasing them all on this feed. If you are listening to this on YouTube, then don't worry. It will be uploaded to YouTube, and they have allowed me to record videos. So there's going to be a video version of my conversation, or mine and Megan's conversation, conversation with Alex and Molly that's gonna be uploaded to the YouTube channel and the audio specific version will be uploaded to the feed of Genuine Chit Chat and then I don't know I may release it here who knows but go on Genuine Chit Chat or YouTube for absolute certainty and uh, you know also tweeted them like I know I do say that quite a lot but if any of you guys are listening to this show uh, and it's past Sunday and the episode with Styles Explained is out please retweet the show that I've probably posted on, on Twitter and tweet at Star Wars Explained saying how much you enjoyed the conversation because these are some really heavy hitters in the star wars realm especially in fandom and i'm incredibly lucky to have even sat down with them and chatted with them but if we can get the community around them to tweet at them and say how much you enjoyed my conversation with them i just think it would get a whole new host of individuals to check out not only this feed of comics in motion or the genuine chit chat star wars youtube show um but anything like that it would just mean the absolute world to me so if you're listening to this and it's the saturday keep your eyes peeled on my social media and uh please please tweet at star wars explain it would mean the absolute world to me um 
But yeah, that is going to be it for me, guys. I'm going to rattle on here for ages. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the very end. I appreciate each and every one of you, and I extra appreciate anyone willing to tweet and talk about the show on social media or support us on Patreon. And uh, yeah, next week I'll be back with War of the Bounty Hunters, the third full volume. And then the week after that, I should have the book review done uh, for Into the Dark. And then I'm going to try and maybe try and get a book review out every couple of months. But uh, we'll see about that. Book reviews take a long time, and it's not quite as easy to do it in the same format I do it here. You know, here I just read comics, make notes, and then kind of go through it. A book review, I have to kind of choose what information I do and don't give. And I normally break them apart into like spoiler tiers and things. So um, I will figure that out. Anyway, guys, thanks again. I love all of you. I'll talk to you next week. And as always, guys, may the force be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton. Honest conversations with interesting people. Hi, I'm Mike from the Genuine Chit Chat Podcast, and I talk to a wide variety of guests across an eclectic range of interesting topics. People I've spoken to include a magister from the Church of Satan, a blind Australian filmmaker, a puppeteer from Labyrinth and Dark Crystal, and I also speak to musicians of all kinds of genres, authors, actors, podcasters. Really, there is no limit to who I speak to, and the subject matter is endless. So if you believe in the art of conversation and want to hear different people talking about their passions, then this is the perfect show for you. You can find Genuine Chit Chat anywhere you listen to podcasts, and there's some video versions on YouTube, so there's no reason not to tune in.